All right, everybody, welcome back to the Dragon's Library. So, I know I promised you guys either the Servant's Mage or uh, in Disenchanted. And I was planning on just reviewing Disenchanted today, but I couldn't really find much to say about it. And when I got off work, I realized I got an alert reminding me that I had a ticket for Uncharted. So, I just decided to go see that and review that today. Um, a little background I've never actually played the Uncharted games. I, well, okay, that's not technically true. I played a bit of two and a bit of three, but I did not find them that enjoyable. Yeah, I don't like the Uncharted games. I think they're basically just overly long cutscenes that have mild interactivity shoehorned in with some very basic cover shooting uh, points in between, and a handful of puzzles that you can get better versions of in other games. They're basically what if Indiana Jones was a semi-interactive medium. And I didn't really find that that enjoyable. That's not to say I don't like Naughty Dog's other work. I like basically everything else they do. I just don't really like the Uncharted games. So it's really painful for me to say this, but I kind of enjoyed the Uncharted movie. God, that feels weird to say. Like, after so many video game movie adaptations have failed, seeing this one succeed is just... It's a little... I don't even know how to describe it. It's strange. Like, this shouldn't have worked as well as it did. Don't get me wrong, this is not an amazing film or anything. I'd probably rate it like a 7 out of 10. It's basically a popcorn flick. But by video game movie standards, that puts in, like, what? The top 10 greatest video game movies of all time? That's a depressing thought. True, but depressing. Oof. But yeah, this is actually a pretty good movie. Um, it doesn't really... I actually kind of like it mostly for what it does different than the Uncharted games. So, let's get started with this. The Uncharted... This movie is about Nathan Drake. Uh, if you guys didn't know, Nathan Drake is an orphan who really lo loved uh, ex trivia about ancient explorers. And in the video games, he's basically a treasure hunter. Think Indiana Jones. Like, literally, just think Indiana Jones, but what if he was kind of a dick? That's essentially Nathan Drake. Um, it wasn't that original of a character. Most of the characters are pretty cliche. The games themselves had essentially the claim to fame of being playable movies, which is part of the reason I really don't like them. The only playable movie I've ever enjoyed was uh, Until Dawn. And I guess Stanley Parable was pretty good as well, even though it's mostly just like a walking simulator. But aside from those two, I just haven't really found anything enjoyable in that type of game. I prefer to, you know, play video games, not watch them. So... I'm trying not to react too hard on the games because just because I don't enjoy them doesn't mean there aren't people who do. And I bet they're very happy to see this movie actually be pretty decent. So I'm not going to go any further there. I will mention I kind of like what this movie does differently than the um, the games. For example, the games actually base themselves around cover-based shooting as one of their main mechanics. But Nathan Drake doesn't actually really have a gun for most of this movie. He doesn't even really pick up other people's guns. He only gets a gun at, like, the very end, and he only shoots, like, a few bullets. Most of this, the action in this movie, is played via um, sort of, like, Jackie Chan-style comedy. You know, like, those kind of action scenes where the characters are, basically, they're decent fighters, but they keep, like, stumbling around as they're fighting, and, you know, they're, they're always recovering, like... He'll fall out of a window and, like, you know, immediately glass onto the ledge or something like that and kick somebody off it, stuff like that. And when they're bouncing around the pirate ship near the end, that's just really good action cinematography. I just enjoyed it. The whole, the action scenes just flow together very well, and I have to give them credit for that. 
In addition, I also have to give them credit for having pretty decent themes in this movie. It's not anything too deep, but having an action movie that, like, when I started thinking more about it, I'm like, oh, those themes actually line up pretty nicely, was good. The main overarching theme is that, like, greed will ruin you. I'll get more into that in the spoiler section, but it sounds pretty simple, and it sounds like them before, but they actually do some interesting things with it that other movies really should do if they want to, you know, have that as their theme to reinforce it in better ways. And it kind of reminded me of a lot of the uh, Sherlock Holmes and the Black Pearl stories, adaptations that have been done over the years. Very interesting. I, I, like That's like the last thing I expect to be reminded of when I went to go see a freaking Uncharted movie, but you know. Um, in addition to that, you have nice puzzles and uh, hidden riddles and all that kind of stuff. It's very interesting. Now, this isn't the kind of mystery story where you solve on your own. It's more of like, you know, obscure uh, arcana lore, that kind of stuff. I definitely do like some of the riddles they give you, because you get to try and figure out what you think they mean first, which is always interesting. Uh, all the actors are good in this. Let's see who's in this. Well, first of all, there's Tom Holland, who is a joy as always, as Nathan Drake. Now, I will admit, he feels a little young to be playing Nathan Drake. Like, I know he's, what, like 24, 25 right now? Like, how old is Tom Holland? She's, uh, do, do, do. He's currently 25. Yeah, he's 25. And... He shouldn't feel too old to play Nathan Drake. That's, like, the age you want Nathan Drake to be. But Tom Holland feels, like, eternally a teenager. I think that's why they cast him to play Spider-Man, because he's an adult, but, like, he feels like a teenager. Or at least, like, a college student at, like, all times. Um, But I really enjoyed him in this movie. Like, he's a good actor. I'm just going to say it. Tom Holland's a good actor. That's not a controversial statement. <laughs> you know, he's just a really good actor doing a good job with a fun role. And he seems to be having a lot of fun with this, too. He also got Mark Wahlberg as Victor Sully Sullivan. He's like the, uh, you know, treasure hunter who kind of takes Nathan in as like a mentor-ish. Worked with his brother Sam. You have, let's see here, Antonio Banderas as Santiago Makata. He plays like the first villain. Then you have Sophia Ali as the um, Chloe Frazier. She's like the third wheel in their little group. The other treasure hunter who's also after the stuff and they have to work with because she has one of the keys. Then you have uh, Tatia Gabriel, who's playing Joe Braddock, a mercenary working for Moncada against them. And I actually really enjoyed her. She's really fun as a villain. She really takes like over the top, like, I am the dagger in the night. And it's like, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh... The one thing that gets old is everybody telling Nathan that Sully is, like, trying to play. Like, don't trust Sully, don't trust Sully. It's like, yeah, we get it. Sully has a really controversial past. But he, you, most of you betray us way more than he does. I mean, like, it's hinted that he's going to betray us in the end, but, like, he doesn't really. It's I'll get into that later. Spoilers. But, basically, there was this famous explorer who went to, almost sailed around the world with his crew, but he died on the, joy, um, the last leg of the journey. And his captain and their crew returned to Spain. They were funded by this big group. And the reason they were sent on this expedition at all with the money was because they promised to bring back gold. But they didn't. However, it legend has it that they actually did find gold. And they buried it away. Hiding it so they could one day reclaim it and not have to pay their employers. Um, however, because none of the crew... Because they collected so much gold, like literally billions of dollars in today's gold which combined with the ships they left behind, which would be priceless historical relics, 
basically means anyone who finds it would be one of the richest people on Earth just automatically. As a result, no no group who has ever set out to find it has, you know, resisted infighting. Sort of like the Black Pearl uh, from Sherlock Holmes. I, I told you we'd be getting there. Um, there are two keys. They need to retrieve them. Go on a hunt. Sully was doing with Sam, Nate's brother, but, you know, that happened. And then he comes up to Nate and gets him in, you know, start treasure hunting. Nate always looked out to some of these explorers, so he's like, I want to go find their treasure. And he joins Sully, even though he quickly finds that Sully is a bit untrustworthy at times. Fun story, basic plot, nothing revolutionary here. It's all pretty by the books, but it's executed well. And that's, that you know, it, it does a lot for a movie like this. Just d- decent execution and good actors who are having fun in the roles can take a basic script into something a bit better. So that's basically all I have to say on this. Special, the effects are decent, nothing too extraordinary, there's not really any standout. The pirate ship part was fun. And there's some thematic stuff, but that's in spoiler territory that I'll be talking about in the spoiler section. I do recommend you stick around for that, because there's really not that many big things for this. I'm mostly going to be talking about the themes there, because I actually think it's really interesting the way they betrayed the greed here. And it's slightly different than the way they do it in most other things. Um, So yeah. 7 out of 10, I would recommend. If you don't want any spoilers, now's when you should tune out. Okay? Everybody who doesn't want spoilers gone? Cool. So, there's not really much you need to know. Um, they go on, you know, they go out to get the key. They have to steal it from an art heist. They have an encounter with the main bad guys. The two main bad guys, you know, Joe, Joe Braddock and uh, Santiago Ma- Makata. Makata kills his uh, grandfather, who's going to sell away his family fortune, and he wants—he's part of the descendant of the people who sent the expedition out. Wants to find it and reclaim his family's the wealth that was stolen from them, and blah blah blah. Rich billionaire wants to get richer. Not important. Um. Anyway, Sully and Nathan, after getting the first key, have to team up with Chloe Frazier, who also worked with Sully and. Also, believe, and also knows that Sam was left behind by Sully in the catacombs when they stole the journal about the expedition that he used as a guidebook after he was shot. Sully took the journal and ran and just assumed that Sam was dead. Chloe has also had run-ins with Sully over the years and is very and very clearly thinks he is a no-good con artist who will betray them at the slightest drop of a hat. And so she feels the need to betray her first. She actually has a kind of interesting backstory. Apparently, she was always running around the woods and out in strange places, and when she was a kid, she found a very valuable historical relic under a bridge, which she was digging around down there. She showed it to her father, who immediately turned around, sold it for massive profit, and bailed on her her family, and they never saw an ounce of the money. Which, you know, super dick move. And Nathan's like, that's horrible. It's like, no, it taught me a valuable lesson. Which is, I don't trust anyone, ever. Which comes back to bite her. Um, And that brings me to the main overarching thing that's really interesting here. So, the thing that's really interesting about this movie is the whole... It has one of the basic lessons with treasure hunt movies, which is... Greed will inevitably lead to your ruin. But it's not as simple as that. Like, most movies say, if you want anything that badly, and you obsess over it, you're going to be destroyed. This movie actually takes a slightly different approach. It's not their obsession over the treasure that actually leads to their ruin. It's their inability to believe anyone will be willing to share it. Their desire to have the entire treasure and be unwilling to settle for a portion. So, their knowledge of the treasure of 
the history behind it, is a key role in them getting progress. It's only because of that history that they are able to solve the riddles. However, Nathan Drake wants to find the treasure because it was all, he looked up to that explorer who went out and nearly sailed around the world and whose crew did. He and his brother had always loved stuff like this. As a result, Nathan Drake wants to find the treasure because it would be an amazing historical find. It would be the chance of a lifetime to find a place like this. The gold is a bonus. It's a chance to get a new life for himself, sure. But the historical significance is a lot better. As a result, he's willing to work with other people. He works with Sully and expects him to treat him like an equal. It's only after the first robbery when Sully leaves him and he forces Sully to give him the key and trust him a little bit more that they come to a sort of uneasy partnership. And he still doesn't really trust Sully after that betrayal. Then you have uh, Chloe Frazier, who doesn't trust Sully, but she qu quickly realizes that Nathan Drake is pretty honest. But she has trust issues after that whole thing with her father. So there's a moment where after getting separated from Sully... Her and Nathan are shacking up in a hotel and trying to solve the last riddle to get the final location of the treasure. While they're doing it, she gives up. While they're, you know, they try and spend a night trying to decrypt Nate's brother's letters they sent to him that hold the final clue. And she gives up and goes to bed. Nathan powers through the rest of the night and by act, and with, you know, a bit of luck and um, thinking back to some old tricks his brothers used to hide messages. She he managed to solve the riddle and unveil the set of coordinates. Now he was going to wake Chloe, but at this point she he had been betrayed for her, by her at least three different times, uh, each time because she assumed they were going to betray her. And as a result, he's not entirely willing to trust her anymore, with you know actually good reason. So he decides to do a test. He doesn't betray her because again he doesn't want to betray someone who has actually helped him. What he does is he t writes a second note with false coordinates and leaves it out next to his phone. Then he goes to bed. So, of course, since he went to bed so late, Chloe wakes up first. And the test is whether or not she'll go for the fake coordinates. If she takes, she take, obviously she takes them and leave, which leaves Nate with the original coordinates. And that means Chloe is now out of the picture and has clearly betrayed him. He's not the bad guy, which is interesting. I actually like that method. It's like, I'm not going to just assume you're going to betray me. I'm going to give you a chance. If you betray me, though, you're going to just be on the middle of nowhere. Sorry. Which, you know, I like that. It shows him as, like, a decent person who is still smart enough to out-trick the tricksters. Um, which is nice. And afterwards, so that's how Chloe, Chloe got ruined. Chloe is the first one who fully lost the treasure. After this, she's out of the way for the rest of the finale until the very end when they see her after everything's gone down. By not taking, by not trusting Nate, and by being so obsessed with not having someone else steal the treasure from her, by being so consumed by greed she let override common sense, she lost out on everything. Next, we have Joe Braddock. So Santiago killed his own father. That's like pretty obvious. You know, he let his greed consume him to the point where he destroyed everything. And then all he had left were mercenaries who quickly turned on him the second the goal was in sight because they didn't want to share it with this guy who was going to take a way larger cut than he deserved. So Joe killed him. 
Um, that's also where we saw the first failing of Chloe Frazier. She had betrayed them to Santiago, and um, when Joe turned on him, she had to flee. If she had worked with the others, then they would have just been there and nobody would have been able to follow them. Again, she messed up twice in the same way. Assuming everyone's going to betray you, assuming everyone's trying to steal from you. Basically letting greed override common sense. Finally, you had Joe Braddock, which is kind of the most tragic. I actually really like the way they portrayed it. Because it's not just her greed that's her downfall. So what happens is Nate and Sully find the treasure, pirate treasure. But Joe's right behind them. She comes in. But they manage to stow away in a secret compartment on one of the ships. They're airlifting the ships back to the two pirate ships, which each can handle about half the treasure. And so each of these things is probably worth, like, you know, probably has a few billion dollars worth of gold on board. And each ship is a priceless historical relic that will probably sell for billions as well. So, essentially, each one is worth more money than any person or even any decently large group of people could know what to do with. Now, Nate and Sully are only on one of the ships. So, they hijack the copter, you know, knock off the mercenaries on board, hijack the copter, and they don't try and take the other ship. They take their ship and make a break for it. Now, Joe has the ship, like the big cargo ship she was going to drop the ships, the pirate ships on. Literally less than a mile from her. They were literally about to land when the other ship, the helicopter got hijacked. They have a treasure more than they could ever hope to spend. And what does she do? She tells the helicopter pilot to go around, not to drop the ship off first, no, no, to go back and chase after that other ship right now. And when you think about it, it's a really stupid move. Even It's not even like a good greedy move. It's just... If she was like, I need it all, I need it all, I need it all. Which is the main theme of this movie. You can have greed. You can get rich. You just have to be smart about it and not be an idiot. Not let this desire to possess everything, to never trust anyone, to assume everyone's trying to take everything from you and they can't have any of it. It has to be all yours. Which is why I think it works better than the normal greed plot. It's not saying just because you want something, you're gonna. it's a moral failing. It's saying... Wanting everything is impossible, and if you try and grab for everything, you'll lose what few things you could grab along the way. Nathan Drake actually learns from that, um, as does Sully. See, Sully had a backpack at the end, and when the helicopter's falling apart due to all the fighting and the ships clashing into each other and falling into the ocean, he has a choice between saving the backpack and saving Nathan Drake. Well, he decides to save Nathan, and as a result, Nathan reveals that he had actually stowed away a decent amount of treasure on him. So it really wasn't actually that much of a choice. Sully, by doing the right thing, Sully did get the gold. He got some gold. Enough that this trip was probably worth it for them. Like, it was like a lot of ancient gold relics, which would probably have historic value on top of being just plain valuable. It wasn't as much in the backpack, but he also got a partner with Nathan Drake, who we know, as since it's like a prequel to the video games, is going to go on to have some adventures with him. Uh, all in all, I kind of thought his... It was kind of 11th hour, and it didn't really pay off the whole everyone saying Sully was, like, a treacherous guy. It's like, yeah, he bails a lot, but he wasn't as treacherous as most of the other people in this movie, which is a little weird. All in all, yeah, I liked this movie a lot more than I thought, and I liked the uh, intent behind the whole greed will lead to ruin thing. That reminded me a lot of the same thing with the Black Pearl of Death. For those of you who don't know, because I've referenced it a few times, um, the Black Pearl of Death is a 
Sherlock Holmes story about a valuable pearl that is believed cursed. However, it's revealed at the end of the movie that the pearl isn't cursed. It's actually just so valuable that no group who has endeavored to find it has gone without infighting. And there's a lot of things to remind me of that in this movie. For example, the pirates who stole the gold actually had a system to prevent any one of them from betraying them because they were so paranoid about it. There were two keys, one for the captain and one for the crew. And without both of them and at least two people working together, you can't get to the treasure. All the traps were set up in such a way that you need two people very separate. Maybe even three or four in a lot of areas. For example, the in the church when they have to unlock the door, one person has to be above ground following the path and the other has to be below ground. The keys have to be inserted both above and below at multiple areas simultaneously in order to open up the path and lead to the map. Which means no one could have done it alone, and no one could have done it without both keys. And the paths are specifically designed in such a way that if you try to follow the clues without that, you'd probably end up dead. Um, and again, it leads to that whole thing of this treasure is so valuable that no one is willing to just settle for a piece of it. Everyone sees the giant whole thing it could be, and no group went without infighting. And I just, I don't know, it just resonated with me a lot more than I thought it was. Again, the more I think about the movie, the more I'm, like, thinking about the way it portrayed the greed and the way each of the other characters, aside from uh, Drake and Sully, were destroyed by their own actions. Because that's the really interesting thing. Every single person in this movie lost something because of their actions. Santiago killing his father and pursuing this treasure after his father told him over and over again not to pursue it literally got him killed. Chloe's inability to trust people, even after they had long since proven they were trustworthy, um, even saving her life on, like, two occasions, you know, led to her not being able to get to the treasure. Joe Braddock, who was so consumed by the desire to have everything, had an entire pirate ship worth billions in her hands, and because one of the others fired, the other pirate ship got stolen by an old enemy, she decided to risk everything and ended up losing it all to the bottom of the sea and crushed by the other pirate ship when inevitably fell from the helicopter because we can't have an ancient treasure actually just be restored. Seriously, treasure hunting movies. Can you just let us have the treasure for once? Can it not be like our bond was the true, true thing and also some maybe a little bit of gold we grabbed at the end? Can we actually get the pirate ship put on a museum or something like that? That'd be some nice background world building. Come on. But yeah, I liked how every single one of them died because of their own actions. Like, they literally screwed themselves over. If everyone in this movie went along normally, well, Santiago would probably still be a rich guy. Um, <laughs> would still be rich and alive. If Even if he hadn't done that, Joe Braddock could have had half the treasure. She hadn't, you know, killed them. And Chloe Frazier, and if Joe Braddock had left them alone, and if Chloe Frazier hadn't betrayed them originally, they could have had the treasure all to themselves. And even if Joe had followed them, they and if she had also let bygones be bygones, they could have split the few billion three ways. She and her friends could have split it about 20 ways, and everyone would have been happy. Seriously. Is like several million dollars not enough for you? But they couldn't stand not to. I know I just spent like an hour rambling about this, but I just, I don't know. This movie portrays this theme in a way that I think is 
just different enough to make it worth it. And the movie itself doesn't really have much else to say to me. Like, again, all of it's pretty decent. I like Tom Holland. I liked everybody in it. But, uh, yeah. So, I'm getting my Horizon Zero Dawn in tomorrow. I can't wait. Not Horizon Zero Dawn. Horizon Forbidden West. Ugh. I keep keep doing that. I don't know. For some reason, Zero Dawn is just, like, attached to the franchise forever for me. But, uh, yeah. Horizon Forbidden West is coming in tomorrow. Hopefully, I will, you know, not have any problems with it. But, assuming everything goes well, I'm going to try and power through it this weekend. And hopefully, I will be able to review it on Tuesday. If not, I will be reviewing the servants, ma- the servant mage, on Tuesday and uh, the game on Friday. If that happens, if that happens, I will also try and power through Elden Ring that Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and get to that on Monday. If not, if I do, if I'm sorry, if I do get Horizon Forbidden West finished this Friday. We will have Horizon Forbidden West on Friday and either The Cursed, which is a horror movie I've been thinking about going to see, or Servant's Mage, depending on my mood, on Monday, Elden Ring on Friday, and then whichever of those two I don't do on the next Monday. So that's my schedule. I'm going to try and skip to it this time. It has some modifiers, so everything should work out. All right, guys. See you next time. Bye. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. And thank you for listening to The Dragon's Library. Please, subscribe to this podcast to be notified of new episodes. The Dragon's Library releases new episodes Tuesday and Friday each week. And you can follow us on Twitter at dragon underscore library 2. If you want to suggest an episode topic, my email is in the description below. And as always, thank you so much for all your support.